pay attention to your health, pay attention to your priorities, those relationships, those people that you love. I think the money will come as as you have healthy relationships, as you as you continue to learn and grow in your career and just have some patience and, and stay the course. You're listening to the Millionaire's Unveiled podcast, where you'll hear the stories and interviews of everyday millionaires. We'll unveil their decisions, their strategies, and their current portfolio allocation. Now to your hosts, Clark Sheffield and Jace Mattinson. Welcome back to another episode of the Millionaires Unveiled podcast. This is episode number 255. Happy Labor Day, or I guess yesterday was Labor Day. Hope everyone had a great holiday. I want to take a few moments, uh, actually, to just talk a little bit about where Labor Day came from. Because I was curious myself, it's not something that I ever really looked into. So basically, the Labor Day is supposed to be an annual celebration of the social and economic achievements of American workers. It's always the first Monday in September. The event originated in connection with the General Assembly of the Knights of Labor, which was in New York City in the late 1800s. So just a little couple tidbits on Labor Day and why we celebrate it. And there's a lot of people that work, there's a lot of people that don't, but uh yeah, I thought that was just a, a couple interesting tidbits. And a lot of people, I think, probably really recognize Labor Day as the end of summer, which brings me to my next thing. So this week on the podcast, we're going to have a special release of, of a few episodes. And I thought given that we're in, in most people in this country and, and around the world for that matter, are headed back to school or have headed back to school, I thought it'd be a good opportunity to bring back some of some former some of our former guests. And most of these guests have been on from some of the early days uh, of the podcast. In some cases, they were millionaires when they came on, and now we have a little life up update for them. And in other cases, uh, as in today's episode with Michael, he was not a millionaire at the time. In fact, we had him on episode number 129, and his net worth at the time was 700000 and now he's a millionaire. So just a couple years later, or a little less than a couple years later, and uh, so we have a little check-in with him. Episodes are going to be a little bit shorter, given that we don't probably need as much you know, history. You can go back to there with episode. We'll reference them. Uh, in this case, this week with Michael, it was in uh, his first episode was 129. So episodes will be a little shorter, and we'll get a little life update and you know give, uh, give kind of the audience a little bit more tidbits on you know what it took to get over that hump in this case with Michael and then in, in some of these other cases just updates of how the net worth is, has continued to grow and and whatnot. So real excited for this week's uh, releases, something that we normally haven't done, but I thought it was time, uh, especially in some of these cases where we've, we've got some good updates uh, for these people. So this week with Michael, we discussed uh, a few things that helped him get over that million mark and we get into a real deep discussion on health and monitoring health and how that plays into work and wealth and thinking about the future, thinking about insurance and self-insurance and some really, really good topics, uh, some that we really haven't delved that deep into on the podcast. So I'm super excited to, to have this chat and, uh, with Michael. Last week we had Jermaine. He had a net worth of 1.7. He was a civil engineer or he's a civil engineer and his wife is a teacher. We discussed all sorts of things that make him, from his mistakes to his successes. And as he said, he's made every mistake in the book. So if he can do it, anybody can do it. Once again, if you'd love to come on the podcast, shoot us an email, millionairesinveil at gmail.com. 
and uh, we'll put you in the queue and get you on the show here shortly. Without any further delay, let's get into the episode with Michael. The other show we have, Michael, you might remember him from episode number 129 that was released in April of 2020. We have a real special announcement that Michael's going to make. Michael, you're a millionaire now, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I am excited to be on your show again. It's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. And yes, I am now a millionaire. I'm unveiled. <laughs> yeah, we got to get you to do the little million dollar holla. Yeah, exactly. Do I get balloons sent to my house or something? <laughs> That's awesome, man. So give us a little bit of the journey. Obviously, I think back when we first recorded, we were in six around 650000 to 700 ish That's right. And and now you're over a million, so yep. you've eclipsed it. How so? What's What's been the, the, the key to getting there? That's exactly right. We spoke in... January of 2020, and at the time of recording, I was at 650,000. Um, just to remind your audience, I'm in the tech field. Um, I have a pretty rigorous career, and my main source of income has been earnings uh, through my employer. I have a salary, I have bonus, I have RSU, some other opportunities to make money within the company. But yeah, I also recently sold. We sold our house just before the uh, COVID-19 lockdown started. And so we actually closed on Valentine's Day 2020. So we were kind of in the midst of that house sale in our first recording. Uh, we ended up doing really well with that. Um, just to give you a quick overview, we, we, we purchased that home in 2016 uh, for about 340 And it was in decent shape, but it needed some cosmetic work. And so we redid the landscaping on the outside. We redid the exterior on the house and did, uh, redid the kitchen and the front door. <laughs> and we sold it in the, the high 600s. And uh, we, we actually ended up getting that. <laughs> My wife and I remember looking at our checking account and we got the wire transfer or whatever of the money. And we looked at that and went, wow, that's a lot of money. And I wrote, I wrote a note to myself and promised myself that when that hits your account, you thou shalt put it in VTSX, and it was uh, it was March 13th when it hit our account, and the market had at that point gone down. I think around 20 or 30 percent. It hadn't quite hit its rock bottom, but it was very close to it. And I I I, uh, I clicked submit on my Vanguard account, and I was just so worried that I'd lose another 20 or 30 percent. But it ended up almost catching the bottom there. So. Uh, not replicable for your listeners, but really excited. Congrats on, on, on getting there, and we're glad to have you back. So allocation-wise, what has changed since you've you know gotten to this point as a millionaire? I've stuck with my strategy that we discussed in, our, in the initial episode. I have about 80% of my portfolio in VTSAX, which is Vanguard's total stock market index fund. And then... Um, I have around 20% allocated to VEA, or um, I have a lot of it in the developed uh, inter not, uh, international stock market fund. Um, that's through. That's just because that's the only international that's available through my employer, my 401k. So my, just to give you a quick breakdown of my assets, it's just over a million now. Um, most of that is invested. We have a small portion in cash. We have a small portion in VTEB, which is, I think, just a, a municipal bond fund um, that's in my taxable account. And the rest is in VTSAX and VEA. In terms of how it's broken out into my accounts, about 200K is in 401K, which is pre-tax. About 200K is when it 
within our Roth IRAs um, between my wife and myself. And then uh, the rest is in our taxable account. And you're now, after selling this house, you're now like Elon Musk, right? And you own no house? <laughs> exactly. Right. Yes, uh, that's exactly right. So um, we, the the house market was hot where, where we were living and we decided to just rent while we figure out if we want to geo-arbitrage in the next few years. Uh, in terms of my follow-up with um, and, and my goals and what I want to share today is, you know, we're working towards about a three to 10-year roadmap, depending on how the market performs on when we would be able to become financially independent and when I'd probably move on from my corporate career if I wanted to. I wouldn't have to, but um, our, our goal is to hit somewhere between 1.5 and 2 million. And that would cover our base living expenses. We're typically spending around outside of rent, probably 40K. So rent is pretty high in this area. So we're probably spending around 70K per year. Okay. And then how many years, remind me, how many years did it take you to become a millionaire? Well, I... I'm in, I've been in my career for about 11 years, so I'm doing some quick math in my head, but uh, I've been accumulating since my early 20s, so that gives you an idea. Yeah, yeah, so let's call it 10, and then you're already 300 in this next year. And then remind me why you were selling the house. Is it because it had gone up so much and you wanted to capture that? Well, I think there's a couple factors there, um, Jason Clark. Um, I think one big thing is the house that we had was beautiful, mid-century house, awesome quarter-acre yard, just really nice neighborhood, but it was a lot of maintenance. I have some health issues that make it harder to do some of the physical things that I want to do right now. And so that's part of the reason why I'm, I'm pursuing financial independence uh, with my wife, just because I like to take a step back from the corporate treadmill. My job is pretty rigorous. I am in a, uh, a Fortune 100 company. And so it, it is um, it is probably time for me to take a step back from that. But I'm going to probably grind it out for the next three to five years as we um, build our portfolio. So, But we sold the house somewhat as opportune because the housing market is booming right now uh, across major markets it's in the US and uh, we just didn't want the maintenance anymore. And we planned like, hey, if we were going to geo arbitrage or by, by that, I mean, move to a lower or middle cost of living location, let's try to cash in now and have some of that flexibility and not have to mow the lawn every <laughs> or whatever, um, uh, change a leaky faucet. Right. So, and, and you just to reiterate here, because I think it's pretty amazing. You bought that house in the mid 300s and sold it in the in the high 600s but right. you were the one you said oh you put some work into it but i think you undersold yourself a little bit there because you're the one that did all the work right and spent what thousands of hours you told us right i've spent about i tried to budget my time and my money on the house uh, we put 20 percent down on the house in 2016 it was three hundred and forty thousand dollars, and uh, i remember thinking that that was nuts the inventory was low at that time i thought this is an absolute disaster why am i doing this and in some ways, I still think about that because of the grueling work that we had to do. But looking back, it was a great financial decision. Ultimately, like I think in my spreadsheet, I have around 4,000 hours of my own time, which includes the landscaping projects and my family or friends coming over and helping me move dirt around and take out trees and you know add in other uh, boulders and all this stuff to make it look amazing. And so that sweat equity ended up really paying off. Um, it is a way. I think that that is replicable to your listeners. It is a way to, if you're in that kind of market, we really were smart about picking the right location, good school district, nice bones of the house, mid-century, 
very popular style right now. And then we redid the kitchen, and which included cabinets and appliances and painting. And, and, and we replaced the front door with a modern front door and, you know, just tried to do the things that I think would pr- provide a lot of curb appeal. Yeah. But now you hate real estate. <laughs> <laughs> well, Was it I worth it? Say, I would say I'm burnt out on real estate. And I think uh, in a lot of ways, we have a high monthly cost to rent. We rent a nice house. We, ha- we rent a house that's probably worth its estimates $900,000. It's 3,000 square feet, three-car garage, uh, not too far from where we had sold our previous house. It's just an amazing neighborhood, really clean, beautiful park across the street. So, um, And that's nice. $3,200 a month. But So we really just enjoy living life here. And honestly, we could have, and what I see a lot of my peers doing is they have their initial starter home, right? And then they move from that 600K house to that 900K house. And at least from our financial philosophy, we aren't against real estate as an asset class. If you're holding it for the long term, we just didn't think we'd be here for a long term. And I didn't really want to take that risk of buying something and then staying for three or four years and all the clothing costs. And I didn't, this isn't a really good market to make money as a rental. So I didn't want to buy that $900,000 house like the one we're living in and then have to move. And so that, that was the thinking there. Yeah, yeah. No, it makes sense. And then let me just jump back real quick. So you sold the home and how much was the wire into your account? Right. So, I mean, we had put 20% down. We had uh, equity. There were closing costs and there's a there's a few different taxes in the area that I live. And so that was a pain to spend 30 or $40,000 on taxes. Uh, but I think what hit 30 our or 40 account, K. Yeah. Yeah. Holy cow. Excise, there's an excise tax and um, a couple other things. Uh, but anyway, anyways, I think what hit our account was pretty close. I want to say it was pretty close to 300 K or just over that. And what I was sharing with you beforehand, which I want to share with your audience too, is I, it, it, it was a scary time. I mean, so we had listed and uh, we had, we had gotten uh, mutual acceptance on like Valentine's day ish or, um, I want to say Valentine's Day, and then we closed in mid-March, and so the wire hit uh, the transfer to our checking account. My wife and I were looking at our, uh, you know, whatever uh, big box bank uh, account and looking at our checking account, and it had you know over three hundred thousand dollars in it. And usually, we only have five to ten k in there or whatever for our monthly cash flow, and. <laughs> And I had written a note to myself, promising myself that I would drop it into VTSAX uh, as soon as it hit because, you know, we already have enough padding and we didn't plan to buy a house anytime soon. And so I thought, well, if we're going to buy, I can always just accumulate the cash over the next two to three years. We buy in a middle or low cost of living area for 400K. So I'm looking at my checking account, scratching my head going, oh no, when the market opens, I'm going to drop this into VTSAX <laughs> and Vanguard. And it was, and I went through with it and it was around March 13th or 14th. And um, I thought for sure, you know, the sky was falling at that point, right? And uh, COVID-19 and, and all the the things that were going on at that time, a lot of unknowns. We didn't know about it from a health perspective. We didn't know about this thing from a global perspective. So <laughs> I, I went for it. I, I, uh, so that's why our brokerage account is a lot higher than the rest of our retirement uh, account. So why, why didn't you average it in, Michael? Well, so one thing- I mean, now, now you look good, so I shouldn't even ask you the question, but 
I'm just curious. Well, I, I, I've done a lot of reading around this. In terms of my influences and who I am, I think I am a pretty true Boglehead, and there is some diversity in that group. I'm very active on the, the forum, and so maybe I'll give you my handle, which is also, um, which is a, an anonymized handle or whatever that I use on, on Boglehead, so if your listeners want to reach out to me afterwards. But I, my philosophy is very true to 70% of the time, we're at market highs. 70% of the time, we're going we're gonna to have the market be higher than not. And so even in terms of my 401k, to be honest, it's January, right? I just, I had the cash set aside. I just maxed out our Roth IRAs uh, January 3rd or whatever, right? And, uh, or January 4th, whenever it was the uh, first day of the market. Well, it was down and that hurts. But my philosophy isn't to look at the daily ups and downs. It's to go, hey, I'm holding this for the long term. This is a portfolio to buy and hold and have my family live off of three or three and a half percent off this over the next 30 or 40 years or whatever, right? So my philosophy is just get it in the market, stay invested. I have made the mistake in the past, even in that time when I had purchased a house, we kept some cash like on the sidelines, about a hundred K in terms of an emergency fund. And I watched the market go up and up and up. And I'm like, why am I not using BTSAX as a savings account in a way? Because I already have a net worth high enough to where if I need to, I can sell shares. So um, I dollar cost averaging, I have to do that for my daily or for my monthly cash flow. But I max out my 401k early with my employer as well. So my philosophy is just get the money into the market. And if that hurts me in the, the near term, it doesn't matter because I don't need the shares. I'm invested for the long term. So, Michael, as you go forward here, you mentioned potentially pursuing early retirement and the health issues that, that you have and, and, and a little bit of geo-arbitrage. Geo How long do you think it's going to take you to get to where you want, where you will walk away and, and move into that next phase of life? And, and what does that look like for you as you do that? I've been considering some of that. And when talking to my wife, I think we're finally to the place where when if we, if we have a million bucks and my wife does work part-time and has the ability to ramp that up or down. So we really do have some flexibility. But she said to me, I, I deal with some pain and some physical issues that are difficult. I, you know, I'm, I'm in my 30s and that's difficult to have physical issues um, early in your life. And I think it's been teaching me a, a lot of things about what's important to me, to be honest. Uh, my family and uh, my church and my community and my friends and my faith, those things have become a lot more important to me. And that can really shift your priorities. And I remember listening, Jace, to your, your recent ep uh, Millionaires Unveiled episode where you're talking about your vision and having this gymnasium and, and playing basketball and, and really doing so much physically and giving back to your community and not having any sort of jealousness around that because I just think that that's so cool and what you guys are achieving here with this podcast and with your life. And, but, but your human capital is going to take you a lot further. You can hit that two, five, 10 million mark when I don't think my body's going to carry me through my rigorous tech career. So I'm, I have some plans in terms of transitioning. And I think my wife, it was, it was, it was touching to me and an important moment for our communication, but she just said, Hey, if, if you can't make it, if you can't keep going, you still are valuable to us. You still bring so much to our family in the way, the way you raise our kids and all this stuff. So I think um, she said, feel free to quit, right? So I already feel like I'm in that place where I'm in cruise control to some extent. But what's interesting about that, even through 2020 and being working virtually and how difficult that is, I think a lot of other people are struggling too. A lot of people are struggling with um, health issues, um, depression. Maybe they, they have the media on all the time and 
a lot of that stuff that's going on out there is is negative and they're they're spreading fear in a lot of ways. Uh, is there reason to be fearful in a lot of circumstances? Sure. But I started to take, a, in terms of my personal philosophy, I started to take a look at my own life going, how much of that can I control? Sure, I can vote, right? Sure, I'll vote for a candidate, I think, who's going to help us to the future. But really, how much difference does that make? And how much does that really impact my life? And I realized, what do I have in power and influence to impact? Well, it's my family. It's those people in that I interact with and mentor uh, in my job. It's it's those people in my church and my community who I serve and love. And, and so I was just, a lot of that's been wrestling in, in my head. And so to, to answer your question, I think three to five years, we'll be able to hit uh, 1.5 million or 2 million. And that will be plenty to live off of three to three and a half percent to just cover our base expenses moving forward. And then if I want to go back to work or my health gets better or if my wife works or other things, that'll give us opportunity to, to do other things. You know, Michael, as, as you've described this journey that you've been on and, and you know, obviously you've, you've been very open about having a, some health issues and, and how that plays into to your plan. One thing that we have not really addressed on, on this show, and I'm curious to know if it, it's something that you've looked into knowing what you're going through is disability insurance. Interesting you mentioned that because I, I recently reached out to my employer and said, hey, what happens if I get sick for a period of time? And, and the, I got to that question by asking my HR department, hey, what happens like if I just want to take three months off? Can I just take like a non-paid leave? Do I still have medical benefits during that time? And they started to show me my long-term and short-term disability uh, opportunities and then uh, some of the life insurance stuff that I have benefits that I really didn't know I had at this massive megacorp, right? So I really took stock of that and I'm very thankful for my job because I think I can get like insane, insane, like 60% pay for two years or something like that if I have a serious medical issue, which I think I could even qualify for that now. Um, it's really unfortunate and sad, some of the things I'm going through, but at the same time, so that's a first safety net. I have considered some of that insurance, but in some ways... <laughs> Jason Clark, like I'm, I'm self-insured. Like I have assets that my family can fall back on. I don't want to pour something into, I don't want to pour my own money into something that um, I can already kind of self-insure and, and uh, support our, ourselves. So that, I think just for your listeners, being in a position where if you work for an employer who has those kinds of benefits, if you are earlier, or if you have some sort of long-term goals that are larger than 1.5 or 2 million. I mean, I really think we can live off of 50 to 60K per year into our 50s and 60s. And a lot of people aren't able to do that. So if you have other assets that you need to protect or family that you need to take care of and things like that, I do have a term life insurance policy for a million bucks that I spend like whatever, 500 bucks a year on. We ha we'll keep paying for that until we get to our two mil. So Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I appreciate you being so open about this and, and congrats on getting to a million bucks. As we close out here, what would you tell our listeners that are under a million really trying to plug away to get over that million mark. What what does it take? What's the mindset? Well, I, I think I would say first, just from an investing perspective, if you aren't if you aren't buying and holding when it comes to stock, uh, you're making a mistake. And if you're not broadly diversified in something that's like a total stock market index fund or S&P 500 or um, whatever that looks like for you, I think that's also um, an important principle and component. In some ways, I have been too narrowly focused on saving. In some ways, I've made that some sort of an idol. I've made that some sort of, hey, I, I have to get here because I want to take care of myself. I want to take care of my family. And 
I think it, I am learning that to some extent I need to draw my boundaries and understand what my limits are and be able to say, all right, I think I can save 90,000 bucks this year or $10,000 this year, whatever that looks like to any of your listeners and set a plan and have a goal, but don't hold that uh, too tightly. Have that with an open hand because I think we can't control the future, but I think the current media, right? It's a lot about fear and that doesn't, you can think that that's positive or negative or whatever, but usually when people are scared and when things are on the fritz, that's usually when people try to get out of the stock market. And that's usually when you should get in. And I'm a classic example that again, probably isn't replicable, but I, I, it was very hard. I, I, I just clicked buy quickly on my Vanguard account, but I put $300,000 cash into VTSAX on March 14th. And that was really hard. And there was a lot of people getting out of stocks at that time. And listen, like I went that, that the gains from that have been like 40, 50, 60%. And so that's been able, that as well as my savings rate, which we save about, I know we didn't mention that I'm making about 200 K saving about a hundred to 125,000 per year. So with what I saved per year, as well as the market gains, I'm up 300 K and I'm able to be unveiled on your podcast. So I would encourage your listeners to pay attention to your health, pay attention to your priorities, those relationships, those people that you love. I think the money will come as, as you have healthy relationships, as you, as you continue to learn and grow in your career and just have some patience and, and stay the course. Awesome. Once again, that's Michael, episode 129, reappearing now as a millionaire. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks, Clark. Thanks, Jason. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Millionaire's Unveiled podcast with Clark Sheffield and Chase Mantinson. For more stories, investment opportunities, and information, check out our website at millionairesunveiled.com. See you next time when you'll hear from another everyday millionaire.